Hey, everybody, what's up? It's your boy, MJ. Hey, man, I'm excited to announce a great community and platform that I've been working with called Rare Liquid. Uh, you know, a couple months ago, I was at an incredible event in Paso Robles with the Rare Liquid team and their founding artist and producer, Turtle Rock Vineyards. Uh, you might remember this was my number one wine from 2021, my famous Blackberry Cobbler a la mode motherfucker. Uh, Rare Liquid is really cool. They're building a network of artists and producers, collectors, and storage providers to solve the provenance problem for the rare wine and spirit industry. Members get access to verified limited edition drops from elite producers and can frictionlessly share, trade, gift, and monetize their collections. While for the first time in history, artists and producers can earn a royalty payment every time their bottles trade on the platform. Rare Liquid is expanding to 560 members through their invite-only Founders Club drop. You can check it out at rareliquid.club, which I'll put in the show notes. Uh, Rare Liquid has given me a limited number of membership invitations. If you're interested in an invitation and learning more, hit me up on Instagram at MJTaller, or you can just send an email to blackwineguy at gmail.com. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a Black Wine Guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey, everybody, what's up? It's your boy, MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is the winemaker for Extra Dimensional Wine Co. Yeah! Hardy Wallace. Hardy co-owns and runs the company with his wife, Kate Graham. And Hardy actually got his start in the wine business. Uh, he was the original winner of the really good job, uh, really good job, Murphy good, really good job contest, and that was 08 or 09? 09. 09, yeah, and we'll talk, uh, and you, y'all know, so we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, that's how Harry got his start, um, and he has received accolades from so many various magazines and, and luminaries in the business. Uh, he was named Nine Names to Know in American Wine right now by Food Republic. He was a 40 under 40 so we're 40, 40 uh, uh, brothers here, too, by Wine Enthusiasts. Uh, cover story in Wine and Spirits, The Future is Movedra. JancisRobinson.com. Wallace, genre-defying approach persisted through his work with Dirty and Rowdy. We'll talk about that. Um, Eric Azimov, big shouts out for his work at Dirty and Rowdy. GQ, my man's been in GQ. They said, buy anything this man, my man makes. He's a vine whisperer. Ladies and gentlemen, I could go on and on, but let's just get into it with Hardy Wallace. Welcome, Hardy. I am so psyched to be here. This is I, amazing. It, it's, it, this is one of those things where I, I'm, I'm, I'm right here with you. I'm just as excited to have you. Um, you are a person who, whose energy is infectious and, it's, and, and injects so much positivity. You are so great for the wine business. Thank you. I, I, I you know, um, and when our paths were actually crossing, 
I was going west when you were coming east. Exactly. Like and, the same day, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk. This is like the, and like just, uh, I just got a intuitive hit and a push from my wife. But spirit was like, you know what? You just, what are you gonna stay in and drink an extra night in in in, in California? You can go home and you could sit down and interview Hardy Wallace. Oh, okay. So, well, I'm grateful you did. I, I am here. I am here for it. Um, <laughs> so, I like to start at the beginning, man. So, where are you from? So I grew up, um, though most people know me from being from the South, because yep. um, I used to have a wine blog called Dirty South Wine. It's still like my Instagram handle, my personal one. But I actually grew up uh, in New England, so about 25 minutes north of Boston on the coast there on the North Shore. Mm-hmm. So lived there until I was 90, uh, until, until I was 92. I lived there until 92. So I went to college in North Carolina in 92, and then stayed in the South till really the beginning of 09. So whether North Carolina or uh, Atlanta. So nice, and um, we can pour some wine. Let's have some wine. Yeah, absolutely. And um, growing up in New England, was wine on the table? Were your parents wine drinkers, or there was wine on the table? And I think my dad, we could say at that time, was wine curious. Okay. And so he spent a lot of time in New York, even though we were living in Boston, and did a lot of like client entertaining, or was being entertained a lot, mm-hmm. and. Um, so there was always something on Sunday dinner that was like sometimes it would be something like someone gave him a bottle of Lafitte and they were having yeah. that. <laughs> and or sometimes it was like something like Gallo or mm-hmm. something. So it wasn't really it was all sorts of things. And I would always be able to like have a smell or a taste. And um, so it, but I didn't drink, it, you know, it, it wasn't something that spoke to me, you know, mm-hmm. really until after college. So wine was part of you know. It wasn't foreign to me growing up, but it just wasn't part of the... Like know. the ethos of growing up. Yeah. Know. And speaking of wine, what uh, wine uh, ha- what wines have you brought? And I, I what tell us in the glass and what else you brought here. So, so the first one we're going to drink is the Shendog 2. I love it. So not just Shendog 1. <laughs> yeah. Shendog so 2 <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Exactly. Right <laughs> <laughs> so it's... Um, <laughs> and Shindog sounds like it sounds like a, a breaker's name too. Their handle, absolutely, or, or, or a graffiti artist. <laughs> so it, it is a it is a play. There's um, there is a marijuana strain called Chemdog. Yep. And um, this is from Mendocino, um, where they're probably more. The label fit. looks like uh, Mendocino <laughs> and, and Sativa. And it does. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so this is Old Vine Mend- Mendocino Chenin Blanc. So uh, Bart also got this vineyard for years. Shout out to Bart. Is yeah. this uh, Buddha's Dharma? It is. It's uh, it is. Uh, I've always called it Enlightenment Mountain Vineyard because actually the vineyard technically has no name, and so. Uh, is this the one that actually was a uh, – where is there – there's a there's like a Buddhist facility. Oh, it is – It. I cannot say too much more about it because um, let's just say the people who own it um, yep. do not uh, condone alcohol. Yeah. And that may or may not be this facility that right. we're talking right, about. Right, Because <laughs> um, I, think, I think when I was – when I, I mean, we'll get it, but when I was with the – they took us on a helicopter ride. I think we flew over that. Spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I was like, it's just, just temple. Like you would never know it's there. Exactly. Like you can only like, yeah, yeah, totally. So it's um, yeah. So because the uh, folks that own the vineyard didn't want their kind of their organization associated with sure. the vineyard, sure. um, they call the mountain behind the vineyard Enlightenment Mountain. So I called it for years Enlightenment Mountain. I think Pax then started using Buddha's Dharma mm-hmm. uh, for the name, mm-hmm. and uh, so it really is. It's whatever whatever name we want to call it today. Yeah. Well, it's it's um, 
it's really good. What a, um, let's and I this is just because you're just so much to do with Hardy. <laughs> um, so um, oh, we'll get in a little bit later. Uh, when we'll talk about there's some that that's some bright acidity exactly yeah yeah that's why I was like I was like okay um, <laughs> so New England yeah did you go to did you go to Duke North Carolina NC State which one did you go I to? went n- neither Davidson uh, no so I went to a tiny Quaker college called Guilford College I know Guilford no, no way it's in Greensboro yeah I you're the, the only person I've ever heard say that I, I know Guilford and where I, it is I went I didn't go but. A woman I was dating back in the day, uh-huh. her brother went to Guilford, oh and we God. drove him down to to go to school. He ended up leaving. I, th- I think he ended up leaving after his first year. But I've been to Guilford. Oh my gosh, that yeah. is so amazing. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that is, like no, the only other person I know that knows of Guilford for the most part, um, and it's how I met my wife. Is uh, we both went to Guilford at se- separate times. Yep. And like when we met, we started talking, and you know, I if you're out in a bar and you meet a chick from Guilford, like, hey, <laughs> you're my people. But she's like, yeah. She's like, I went to the school no one's ever heard of in North Carolina. I'm like, you went to Guilford, and she's like, yes. And I'm like, so then we, yeah, we connected. It was like, yeah, like you. I, I mean, that's that. Well, I have a weird life. Like I just, I should have gone on Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. So you went to Guilford. I did. Okay. And. um had a very um, at Guilford they allowed um, they took two students a year took them like they yes. pulled them in no. <laughs> they allowed two students a year to be part of a program called integrative studies where you got to design and make your own major and it would be a double major and I was fortunate to be one of the people that kind of applied to get into this program and then I got to spend four years basically doing independent study yeah which was amazing yeah um, that's what 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 did you end up choosing so my thesis um, which is kind of wraps the whole degree together, was called Eastern Philosophy's Influence on Western Creativity from 1950s to the Present, and which up until that time was, I graduated in 96. So it incorporated jazz, beat poetry, kind of psychedelic rock, art movements, philosophy, ethnomusicology, all these things together that was like everything I was interested in at the time. And to be able to wrap that up into a degree, it was like, it was heaven and it was hard because um you know you're a crazy young hippie kid that like having to learn to have discipline um, yeah and because the professors were really tough on me and you're like wow like so i used to go to like whether it's like grateful dead shows or fish shows and like you know i'd be gone for like a week or a week and a half at a time research but but i would have like i'd be sitting there at set break with like flashcards or books and just like i would knock out papers in the parking lot and like this was like I mean, I was committed. I was like, I'm like, it, it was this crazy competitive nerd scene between me and a bunch of friends that yep. were like, how hard can we party in ways, but how well can we do in school? So like, I mean, I, I, what's the right way to say? I, I think someone told me this the other day. They were like, you're not a perfectionist. You just want things to be really fucking good. Yeah. And like, <laughs> so like, it was this weird, like, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it's got to be at least an A. Yeah. It's got to be at least an A. I take a ninety-five. Yeah. I take a ninety-five. That's yeah. good. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. And I, it's interesting. When people think with freedom, you actually have to have discipline when you get a lot of freedom. And I, I think that has served me so well in the style of wines that we make, mm-hmm. in the way that we run our business. Mm-hmm. Is that in some ways we are like wild and carefree. Everything is wide open, but you need a framework of discipline yeah. around that yep. to make sure like things like. 
the ball keeps moving down the court. Exactly. Right. No, I love that. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, ah, oh, this is it. And this is why I love doing this. Is I, you know, for me, I love the stories, man, because like it, this informs it. It's informing what you've done and why it informs your life. And like you said, in the warm up, you spoke about our philosophy, but but that's really cool. So, um, so you, so you had that degree. Huh. Um, what kind of job you get with uh, <laughs> with uh, uh, you know a, a thesis <laughs> about the effects of Eastern <laughs> culture well, philosophy on, on creativity? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that was um, my my thought was after school. Um, I was always a musician, and that um, I was going to become a professional musician. Okay. And I played a lot in college. Um, I always went to music school in the summers to study North Indian classical music. So even though I was in the East Coast, there was an amazing school which is still there of uh, North, in North Indian classical music in Marin County in San Rafael called Ali Akbar College of Music, where I mentioned earlier Ali Akbar Khan, a like, favorite musician. Um, so I spent a lot of time there, and I was starting getting good gigs. Because I, I, back at the time, there were not a lot of people that played, say, percussion from Northern India. Um, just is not a, there's not a lot to do it anyhow. I was going to say, there's not a lot of people doing it. All the cool kids are yeah, doing exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. But, um, so like I would get some awesome gigs, like opening up for like, you know, I'd opened up for like De La Soul, Tribe Call Quest. Um, one, I had a gig in Tampa that like, actually Kid Rock opened up for me before Kid Rock was like really, ki- and you were like, what, like, yeah. what the F? Yeah. So I thought like professional, like being a musician, um, was going to be my gig, but, when I got out of school and started, and I was working in a recording studio for a little bit to, um, to bring some bills in, or I mean, bring some cash in. Mm-hmm. Um, cash actually, bills? Yeah, 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 bill, bills were coming Pay the in bills and get some bills <laughs> exactly. in to go right back out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I was doing that, but friends of mine had just started working at like this uh, technology company that was um, in Florida. And they're like, hey, like, you were like, you ran the schools like Mac Lab and you did this. Like, you're obviously like, technically proficient. Mm-hmm. Like, we can probably get you a job in like sales and marketing. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. And then all of a sudden, like they drive up with like a brand new BMW and yeah, this yeah. and that. And I'm like, oh, maybe I could do that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm living at my parents' house at the time too. So yeah. I'm like, um, I'm like, oh, this sounds like something I can do part time while I pursue. Well, no, I can do this while I pursue music part time. Right. And that just started to suck and pull me in. Yep. And like anything, you're like, oh, like you get pulled into that race that you can't necessarily figure out how to get out of mm-hmm. and part of you likes it you like the excitement you're like oh i'm like i'm you know 23 years old making you're money you're driving a bmw yeah, man. Or, yeah. yeah. Making like you know yeah you're, you're close to six figure you can you're making money at 23 it's sexy yeah on one level on one level but it kept getting you know and i kept saying okay i'll keep the music going mm-hmm. keep the mu- and i'd get like okay now i've got a good gig every instead of once every three months, I've got a good gig. Every six months, mm-hmm. I've got a good gig. Every nine months, or now I'll you know I'll just record at home and I built a little studio at home, and wow. you just kept getting further and further and further away. But well, as I got further away from music, it, I was doing so much entertaining with clients. Mm-hmm. What was pulling me in in the opposite direction was wine. Mm. So you had this kind of like push and pull. But wine started to scratch that same itch for me that music did. And it just, I mean, I often describe it to me like the way I experience it. It's like music in slow motion. And, um, yeah, so as f- though I got further away from music, it just, wine started to fill that gap for me. And I'm glad it did. Yeah. So you, we're living at home. So you get this job. Yeah. 
where were you based out of this when you that when you went down to Atlanta or, or so this was right after school my my family my freshman year of college moved from um, just outside of Boston to Tampa so I love I love Tampa St Pete Tampa's pretty amazing yeah. it's like it's beautiful yep. and, and and they lived like three blocks from Burns if you've ever been to Burns oh yeah of course. I haven't been, I know Burns oh though Burn, Burns is the best listen you go to Burns and get like forty year old Bordeaux impeccable for like thirty bucks because it costs them fifty cent. Yep. Like these off shots, oh. like they have their list is like sick. It's so amazing, and they, and like like a lot of that stuff they don't they don't they don't do what other cities do. Mark it up, like we've we've got this 1960 Burgundy. It was you know we paid this for it, so we'll, we'll charge a hundred bucks, not thousands. It's so to have that in the backyard oh, that's was so amazing. Cool. Yeah. So I was there. For, I was in Tampa for about two and a half years. Okay. So I came down. Basically, I, I traveled um, right after college for about six months, seven months through like India, Nepal, Thailand. Um, came home, had to earn some. Like, basically, spent all the money. Yeah. <laughs> had to make some money, um, and then well, and, and there was parts in there where I was actually working at a wine bar to uh, basically to make cash. I couldn't make drinks, so like I got started getting interested in wine, and you know, so that helped. And then when I was in the software or in the technology side, one of my customers, who was a small software company outside of Atlanta. It's like, hey, like, we'll move you up to Atlanta if you want to work for us. And so I was like, perfect. I love Atlanta. Um, they moved me up in 2000. And then I started working for a handful of small software companies and small from, like, small startups um, all the way to, like, a behemoth. Like, my last job was actually working for a, sm a small division of a huge company, uh, Kodak, mm -hmm. and um, kind of running distribution for them in like, North America, like Canada, U.S., uh, Central America, and just living in an airplane like 200 days a year. And it was kind of a miserable existence in a way because at that time, like you're doing this thing, but you know where your heart is mm -hmm. and your heart is so far away from what you're doing. Um, you know, I was, fortunately I was diving into wine at the time. I was really, I had a chance every night to spend tons of money on wine. Mm -hmm. And then I would write about it and I started a wine blog. But you're like, man, this is not, like, this isn't how my life was supposed to turn out. And um, that's a really scary feeling, and you kind of get trapped in that. And you're like, "Oh man, I'm living this life," and you know, I've got the you know deluxe you know condo in the sky overlooking Midtown. And you've got things, and none of that stuff like made me happy. Mm -hmm. And that's where like wine was like, you know, I just wake up in the morning and just like, man, if like if I ever like you know could like hit that button and not have to go to work tomorrow, and like you know was financially like you know set for life. Wine is exactly what I want to do because it just, it's just one of those things. It just it spoke to my soul, mm -hmm. and so I was really fortunate, you know, to have a lot of experience on someone else's checkbook through work. To Sounds like Dan for you know Dan. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that was Dan's thing too. Same thing. Expense yeah. account, <laughs> and it's like yeah, and I, and you know Dan, you know there is that same like parallel piece. You guys are you know, there's a lot of similarities with you guys. Now I think about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love Dan. Yeah. Oh my God, he is. One of the most brilliant and just like cool dudes. I know, yeah. Like same with you. I'm like, like, there's, there. It's, it's really hard to be like really smart like that and still be cool. It's just tough. It's, it, like, it, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I think, I, I like to say like I, I'm more Forrest Gump smart. Like I, I just don't know the rules to like, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know the rules, so I don't follow. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I, there's a great like quote where it's like, "I might not outsmart you, but I can definitely outdumb you." Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna outdumb the shit out of you. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> that's so awesome. Um, what I, you know, that's that thing, right? And 
this is the thing we tell people you know, most best advice like you you've done a good job you've done an incredible job I can't wait but like you were at least you were writing about wine like you know it's hard to just quit your job and pursue your dream because dreams don't pay a lot of money all the time especially out the gate but like you knew you were getting those golden handcuffs on right oh, like because you're just making more money you get more stuff and it's kind of like I was, I was thinking about what's that movie fight club yeah edward norton character like i do this you, you know got all the money so you're just ordering shit blah, 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 and then you're never home you're never home and, and also in that time like it was like making money but also spending a lot of money right. because you're using that to like drown out though. yeah tr- it, 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 it's, it's fast food you're like i'm having this and it's never filling me up so then you're kind of like, oh, I don't have the ability to actually, unless I want to like, you know, you know, walk away from my mortgage or this. Right, or that. right, I right. Like I would have to totally like destroy my life. Right, blow up your whole life. Yep. And you know, and, and some, there were times I thought about that because you're like, there's nothing, I'm getting nothing out of this in my heart. Mm-hmm. And um, so fortunately when 2008 happened, um, as far as the economy like going into you know, meltdown and recession, that's when I got laid off, and it was the best day of my life. Yeah. It was the scariest day of my life yep. in some ways because I actually knew it was coming. Yep. Um, you know, for like a month, it was like every Friday yep. that phone's gonna ring from like I'm gonna see like a, a you know a call from New York come yep. through, and I'm like, it's gonna be HR saying, hey, uh, yeah. please, uh, you, you you're, you're you know you can no longer log into your laptop. We've got <laughs> you locked out, and here's yeah. your package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. FedEx package coming. Put it in there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I knew it was coming. And it just was like, it was the most freeing moment up until that time of my life. Because you're like, this is like, I know I now, like I am forced to do something different. And like, what do they say? It's like that, like change happens, you know, like basically when it's, when the fear of like, when the fear of letting go is less than the fear of holding on. I mean, just, and so it's like, okay, like it's, it's, it's scarier to like try to hold on to this beast and like, you, you kind of pried my fingers off the bar and now I'm in like free fall and I, you hope like baby bird you can fly. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. 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 <coughs> I, I've heard people say it described as um, pain pushes until vision pulls. Yeah. Um, so that was the big event. Let's back up a few years. So when did you start your blog, uh, Dirty South Wine? I think we I started in 2006. Okay. So, so, um, I mean, you were in hot Atlanta, man. Like, oh you like, so you, like, I'm from New York. I'm 50. I'm from New Jersey, New York, yeah. 55. Trap. I, but you were there, like, you were there for it. Yeah. Like, it. Like, so, so what was the inspiration behind the name Dirty South? Yeah, it was really a nod to, like, the Atlanta music scene. And, like, our, our kind of byline was, like, wine is meant to be crunk. And oh, I love so it. Dirty South wine, wine is meant to be crunk. Yeah. And... That was a really exciting, exciting time to be in Atlanta because it's like everything was starting to blow up musically. And like, I mean, I was doing a lot. So I also was doing like a lot of recording at my house. I was making beats. I was like thinking like on the side, like maybe I can make some beats. Maybe I can do like some production work on the side. Like I ended up like recording like 
a track for like Nas's cousin, which Nas probably has a million cousins, but like <laughs> I remember like seeing Jermaine Dupri like downtown one time and I had a demo like yeah. in my like yeah. in my car running up to him to like hand him a demo tape of like my tracks and he just looked at me and started laughing. And I'm like, no, no, like really <laughs> take these like um, oh like I mean, Bone Crusher used to work at the bike stop, a bike shop right around the corner for me, like when he was getting started. And you're like, there was just this energy and excitement that was just filling the filling the city at that yeah. time. And also, you know, overflowing into the rest of the country and the yep. world. And for me, there was something about how I experienced wine that felt that same way. Because it was n- kind of this raw, I don't want to call it irreverent, because there's that deep reverence for the uh, thing. But without having to have any of the, the language, the formality, without having to have all those fucking rules around it, like open this, let's enjoy it. Let's, how does mm-hmm. that make you feel? Mm-hmm. And so Dirty South Wine was a really, um, um, <laughs> some folks have often described it. It was a very irreverent wine blog. And I think it was like incredibly reverent, but it was like, it just was raw. Yeah. It just, we weren't writing about things the w- or we <laughs> me yeah uh, I was not writing about things the way people talked about wine yeah and that was its draw though yeah. too yeah. it was rough it was funny it was filled with like spirit yeah um and yeah it, that was really my main outlet through those kind of uh, what I'll call like the dark days yeah um that was my light and I'm so thankful to like have been part of that like early blogging movement early social media yeah, movement. Man crazy and i i t- what you said i totally get it it resonates i often tell people um i have so much reverence for wine i have to be irreverent i that's why because uh that's how i kind of got known on social media i would i my descriptions i would go in between you know the traditional this and i'm like oh fuck it this tastes like a blackberry cobble a la mode with Flexitar it, <laughs> right? Instead of saying scorched, you know, like yeah. I would say, it would say shit like that, you know, like or this wine's got an ass so fat you can see it from the front, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, and 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 I and and it is, it's it's I have so uh, it's such an incredible, I mean, it's 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 a, it's the most spiritual beverage, you know, you, you know, it is, um, and uh, so there is reverence for it, but. That's it's, reverence is different from stodgy. Like it's, it's, there's a, there's a stodginess and the rules, and they don't really matter. And I love that. So um, you start this blog, and um, you're writing about wines, uh, and you kind of in the tech world. So like, uh, what kind of traction were you getting? Like, were you? Were you were yeah, you? I mean, so it would depend on like posts and months. But there was one time. I mean. I mean, we were the at one point I think the eighth most visited. This was during when I was mm-hmm. applying for the Murphy Good thing. Mm-hmm. There were like two months. I think we were the eighth, the eighth most visited wine website in the world. That was crazy. That's that's awesome. But it, um, I, I but like, there's a lot of wine websites, but there's like only a few that dominate. So that's 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 that's, that's some ball and shit right there. Yeah, but like then there's other stuff where like oh, I got like forty thousand you know people yeah. this month or yeah. fifty thousand, yeah. but. It was one of those things that it, it's almost it didn't really matter to me the metrics because yeah. like there was nothing there were no ads there was nothing for sale there was nothing it was to me it's like how do you find that audience yeah. like how do you find the people that you resonate with and that resonate with you and like you're looking for those like you know sympathetic vibrations of yeah. like yeah. of of folks and 
again, carrying that in from the blogging world to where we are today, it's like, it's not about trying to do something for everyone. It's about trying to find those right people and to like, you know, those people that, you know, we enjoy our stories together. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy time to do that. Um, I love that. You know, we were talking uh, both in the preview about the whole Chris Rock thing, and there was this thing where he said he just decided, like, no one, no one got his jokes. Like, when he's at SNL, they would shoot that, and, and they fired him, and, and he was just doing stand He said, no one got my jokes. So finally he said, fuck it, I'm going to just do it for the fucking... Like I said, I do this podcast for the 12 of you guys who listen every time. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and like, literally, just you, you have, you just say, uh, this is, again, this goes to create, be, to be creative, you actually, and to be free, you have to have discipline, and you because ha- you can't, you'll go crazy chasing the, you know, the shiny penny. Yeah. And you're just like, no, this is what I'm going to do. So, um, so you get, you get laid off. Um, you're like, Got the blogs kind of going, um, and then like this is oh nine, right? Yep. So this so, is this is January of oh nine. So tell everybody about the original Murphy oh really good job contest. So I get laid off, and I know at that time like wine social media first of all is just starting to blow up. Like yeah. Twitter is more or less just getting you know starting to like hit its like second or third gear. Um, blogging starting to be great this is pre-instagram and like i have a handle on this already i'm like okay like i have a presence i have some things like working for me in this space um and i'm like i would love to figure out a way to do this how do i turn this into like how do i turn this into a living yeah how do i make money uh make a living doing this and but nothing like no one would hire a social media person or a- anything like that for like they, a wine They company. still struggle with that. Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> oh my god, what anyway. what the? Yeah, that's a whole nother. Yeah, but, uh, but anyway, so yeah, so so, you so about three weeks later, um, I see the announcement from Murphy Good. They put out that they're going to ha- do this thing called like a really good job, and it, you know, hiring someone to be like a social media, you know, kind of person for like a more. I think because I when I. A wine country correspondent exactly what they, they want yeah yeah and so i saw that and i was like oh my god like it was almost like i put out to the universe this is what i want to do and here is an answer and you know it came the original one was only a six-month gig yeah so it was a smaller gig um but it provided you know good money and it was like you know still like ten thousand bucks a month yep. or something like that and i was like oh my gosh like this isn't exactly the type of wine tr- now I like more geeky, yeah, more funky, no, exactly. smaller right. production yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, this is going to give me an opportunity. Of, once they announced it, if I get this, I, they will move me from Atlanta to Healdsburg. I will have a chance to either like sell my condo, to do whatever, and kind of figure out what I want to do when I get there. And when they announced it, I mean, I literally, I saw it, and I, I just, I remember saying to my girlfriend at the time, that's my job. Just as clear as I, I could be like that is my job and I busted my tail for the next six months to to do it um, and more or less started doing the job before it even started like I created a whole new blog I started doing blog posts videos um, I almost ran it like a political campaign where I got all these people like in the wine industry to, to endorse me right for this right. job yeah yep. and like hey like um, because back in the time that it had like this weird voting component and this, uh, it was a different yeah, thing. Yeah, because so, there was a controversy around that. A lot right? of controversy. Right? So, sure. 
um, talk about because there was a there was a voting component with the p- the public. I remember because I did research. I I'll tell you about my experience which was very similar to yours on one on one level. Except I didn't get the job, um, <laughs> um, but uh, like you came out of tech, but there was a, there was a real tech guy who knew algorithms and like Home. he killed the the public voting. Without a doubt, he murdered it. I he, think I think I was number two or number three in yeah, the public voting, yeah. um, and he, yeah, he. And, and just to back up for folks, yeah. so in this um, this announcement for this social media job, it was almost like the American Idol of of kind of wine social media mm-hmm. jobs. So everyone had to shoot a video, and then it got put up. People could vote on it, but yet the public can vote on it. But yet technically the votes don't count. It's yeah. the judges' votes. Mm-hmm. So. Things got a, people got a lot of it was a lot of incentive for people to share their content or have their content pushed out, and yeah, Martin, um, who was the person that um, came from the tech industry, did a really good job at getting that content shared, and um, but yet he was not he didn't even make the top fifty I think or something like they cut him out early and who knows why, um, but that started a lot of controversy. So kind of like, what what the F is up with this? Yeah, John, ben- John Bonet, oh. who's been on here, wrote an article like, uh, really good job, leaves really bad taste in people's mouth. Oh, you, my gosh. Google it. Not me. I'm not throwing sour grapes. Google this shit, yeah. people. It's I, out there. Yeah, it I was ta- a big deal. It was written about. Yeah, I talked to John at that time because yeah. that was um, still during the application process. Mm-hmm. And I remember speaking with him. And, um, yeah, that was a, it was a wild time. And it, you know, it, at that point, too, you're kind of like, oh, what am I getting into? Like, is this like, do I actually, like, yes, I want to be the person that gets this because I need to be the person that gets this, but I, do I want to be like, like, yeah, it's, you know, I, I won by disqualification. Is that, or is that <laughs> right, like, right. you know, in, in someone's eyes, yeah, is, that, is yeah. that how it looks? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, there's a little controversy about it, but, you know, I just kept, you know, just, I'm like, you know what, this is still exactly what I want to do. So I just kept plugging away, yep. plugging away. And, um, you know, there were times I had doubts that, like, you know, I, I don't really know. I don't know if they know what they want or if I know what I – I mean, I knew what I wanted. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't clear anymore. That was my thing. I was like, I don't think they know what they want. And, and they were kind of making it up as they went because yeah. it, it was brand new. Yeah. It was like, like what are we actually going to have this person – like, all of the – all of the prep work was done in the, it seemed like in the marketing for the, you know, it's not a contest, but it was contest right. Um, <laughs> right. for this thing. Um, was All that prep work was done beforehand, but it was kind of like, oh, we don't know what, what you'll do when you get here. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of like jumping into the ocean of, and like, I don't know if, like, I don't know if they know how to swim or I know how to swim. <laughs> right. So we'll have to figure this out. Um, so long story short is, I was the person they got to. I was the person they selected. Yep. I mean, I, I literally like I just like broke down in tears because yeah. I worked so yeah. hard to get that. Yeah. And it was one of those things, like one of those first times, is I think as someone where I saw um, my vision come to reality. Yeah, like where it was like this is what I'm going to do. And the only other time I've done that um, is with my wife. Um, so like the first time I met my wife, I knew she was the person I was going to marry. Yeah. And um, and we we didn't start dating for like six other six years later, yeah. um, but yes, those were the two things where I'm like, this is my job, and but I also was confident where if I if they chose someone else, I knew I made enough of a ruckus, I made enough noise that um, someone else would hire me. Yeah, um, and I did. I got two other offers before the contest was even over, like being like, hey, if you want to bail out now, come over, work over here, or come yeah. here, and That's I was dope. like. But I'm like, I have to see this through 
I'm like, if if not, <laughs> the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. But like, I have to like, I got to take this all the way. Yeah. And it was an amazing experience. You know, it was you know getting on theater, moving to Healdsburg. And what it allowed me to do, one was to come in as a kind of a known presence. Yep. So everyone knew, like, yep. oh, he, he, here's the guy. Yeah, this is the guy. This is the guy. And that opened up. I got then I got to like meet like a whole bunch of like my absolute favorite winemakers that have also become incredible good, like incredibly good friends and mentors, like Pax, Duncan and Nate from Arnett Roberts, Ryan and Megan from Rhyme, like and went to work for a whole bunch of different folks, and it just opened every door to me to be able to explore things beyond that job. And so that was, the, that to me is the biggest benefit was just like, it got me there and it got me like out there to discover mm-hmm. and to meet people that I like just truly, even to this day are just inspired by and just like absolutely love. See, this is why I didn't get it because I'm just like you. Like they, they're like, this guy's gonna come out for a year. Everybody already knew me as a black wine guy and just meet more people and then he's gonna go do his own thing. You know, versus we have well-trained people that we brought in. <laughs> You're the wild card. I'm not. You're I, the I, wild I know, card. Listen, I knew I. <laughs> and, but I got, I, 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 when you're talking about getting let go, I worked in the nonprofit sector. I ran after-school programs. Um, and long story short, COVID happens. There's, there's a long story to it, but COVID happens. Uh, it's hard to get kids to come to an after-school program anyway, but I had one thing going for me, food. Got to get to feed the kids. Yeah. They weren't in school. Then Kids weren't showing up for school on Zoom, so they weren't coming to the after-school program. Blah, blah. Um, and so, um, and there was stuff going on, so I knew I was, I was on my way out for a year. Like, my bought, like, I know, and and it's so funny though. But like, we're such a small organization, but it was the same deal. It's like I got an email. We need to talk to you at Monday, uh, Friday at four o'clock. I'm like, that's it. I'm fired. Yeah. Like, like who talks to somebody at Friday at four o'clock? That's you know, <laughs> your your ads handed to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and but that's what allowed me to go deep into the podcast in 2021 and really crank. And I didn't. And I didn't get selected for the really good that year. So this year. You know, so after a year not working, I you know I got a severance package and I'm I burned through everything. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, you know, I got some money when my parent, my mom passed, and, but I burned through everything keeping this going and everything. And I was like, "Fuck, I gotta get a job, right?" And and it was what you were saying earlier. It's like it was so resonated. Like I wasn't there, like, but so I got a job. I got a job offer. Do what I used to do, six figure job. Okay, cool. Wife had been carrying me for a few months, carrying us. Um, and I went to this job, and it was in Connecticut, it was in New Haven. Actually, it was in Hartford, and whatever. And long story short, I was miserable. I was there. I was there four days. And I was freaking miserable. Oh man! And I was just like, and I was like, the podcast is dead. If I go back to doing this, if I go back to, because this was like, this was like a, you know, thirty-seven half-hour job, but it was more than that because I work in, in in stressed communities and distressed communities. So it's like, it's it's more than that. It's money through Friday. So there's no hey. Hey, it's twelve thirty. Hardy, you're in town. Come, you know, there's none of that, yeah. right? And I just felt, I just felt my soul getting crushed. And like, because I didn't get selected last year, I was like, I'm not going to do it this year. But it was literally it was my birthday. The deadline was June thirtieth. And I said, and I'm sitting, and I'm working in Hartford. I'm staying in in New Haven. My wife's coming to visit me from because my birthday also. <laughs> and I, and before she comes, I said, I said, fuck it. I just pulled out my phone, one take. Amazing. And I got selected, and, and but once I got selected, I was like, you know, um, 
I wish I could have been like this. And for a moment, I was like, this is my job. But then, like, I, and then I, I, I just, when I got there, because it was different. I don't know, did they bring you guys all together? Because now, yeah. First of all, it's really weird. Like, if I'm, like, I'm in entertainment, right? So if I, if I go into a, an audition, I'm not talking to other fucking people. Like, it's a job. I'm not, I'm, it's not the real world. I'm not trying to be your friend. Like, they're, everybody there was, they're super nice. I love them. Yep. We're in a group together. But this is a fucking, that's like so fucked up. A job interview, you got to be there with the people you're going against. Yeah. It, it, it's not like the team that you might work with and how well yeah. do you work with this team. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, here's all the people yeah, that are. You're competing against each other. Oh, it's, and, it's, and, and, and like, I'm like, and you know, we've all seen the real world. I'm like, we're all being nice, but we all want the fucking job. It's very, it's very, it's very yeah. fun to But, and I almost didn't go because at one point when we were looking at the people and, and they actually brought two people back. Then I was like, fuck. They got two bites of the apple. Like, I, yeah. you know what that, I mean, that's okay. like, that's like, in sports, it's like, you, they draft you, they let you yeah. go. But, oh, they're going to come back, give you another shot. Like, yeah. You know the plays. You have a better, you know. Yeah. So I was feeling that. And it's also kind of like in like a it's like a reality show move too. It's like they're bringing Snooki. Yeah, back exactly. Like, totally, like, oh, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah, you know. And and um, and uh, and I was like, I almost didn't go. I was like, you know what? You're right. There's no way. And, but I was like, but you know what? I had never really spent any time in Sonoma. I'd never been on a fucking helicopter. It looks like you had it. Like, I had a fucking great time. It looks like you had an amazing time. I mean, because all of a sudden I'm watching you like, yeah. through Instagram yeah. and I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And, it, and I'm like, Kate and I were just like, oh my God. You've got, like, I'm just like, this This is the biggest no-brainer we've ever seen in our life. Like, why would, like, I'm like, you were fully equipped with everything they need. Like, yeah, you got it all. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Oh. But, you know, so I think everything happens for a reason, but it was, it was, it was an experience and, uh, you know, shout out to my my colleagues who got it. They're beautiful people, but you know, but like it, it was it was like you know, I was just like yeah, I was like the one dude wrote. I was like oh he's got it. He's just he was a teddy bear, There's, and he was there last year. I was like went into the tasting room. The people in the tasting room remember. I was like it's a fucking wrap for this guy. <laughs> like when the woman who works in the not even not even the the, the work the tasting room person like. We were having a lot. The people, the servers, the hospitality, like, they're like, hey, give them hugs. I'm like, fuck, it's over. <laughs> yeah. It's a wrap. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're like, I'm just going to have yeah. a good yeah, time. Yeah, I'm just going to have a good time. We ride this out. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Um, but I think um, it is great what you did when you went there and then you, and like, and that's what's so funny. Also, now my wife was like, well, you don't really drink those kinds of wines, right? I'm like, yeah, but I, I respect them and, sure. you know, and. And, uh, you know, I'll give you a shout out. Liar's Dice is a tasty zen. It is. You know. Um, but, you know, what you did is like, you know, like, I, I, you know, I, everybody was Jeff Cohen. Everybody's emailing. Text, you got this. We, we, Dan, Dan's like, they, sorry. He's like, the whole wine industry would be better if, if MJ's on the West Coast. Then, you know, like it was there was a lot of that. And, you know, that, that'll happen eventually. Um, <laughs> but, uh great experience in in that uh um you know that like that kind of vip thing it was a lot of fun i would give it credit it was a lot of fun and, uh, and i'm happy for the the people who got it you yeah know? absolutely and it's again it's i think i'm over all of these times and you know all the ups and downs that like even like we've been through post that um is that thing of like things are going to unfold you know when your heart's in that right place and yours is like your dedication your love Things are going to unfold in the way they need to, yep. and sometimes it's a hard lesson to take. Because I mean, there have been times where you're like, "Man, like this should really unfold in a different way." From I, right I was, now. I was, I was like, like ah. "Dude, but that, that was there." I was like, "And you know, at that point, I knew I was a future forty. Yep. I was like, "Dude, you, I can't, and I, you can't say anything." Cause, but I was like, "Do you realize what a coup you would have that the guy you got is going to be in the fucking, you know?" Yeah, but you know, it is what it is. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know what, actually. 
it, this is a good time to take a break. We'll talk about some ups and downs. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into um, dirty and rowdy wine. Yep. And then we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll end up at Extra Dimensional Wine Co. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we'll be right back with uh, Hardy Walls. Did you know that one out of every five bottles of collectible wines is a fake? Rare Liquid has solved this problem with a tech platform that provides unprecedented trust and transparency for next-gen wine collectors. Working directly with iconic artisans, they verify each bottle's provenance at its source, then track its rarity, ownership, storage, and transfer history on the blockchain. Rare Liquid members get exclusive access to these verified rare wines and can buy, store, and pimp their collections on the Rare Liquid platform. Membership includes physical seller storage as well as cloud sellers where you can display and trade bottles frictionlessly online without ever having to move the bottle until it's ready to be consumed. And because Rare Liquid tracks these on the blockchain for the first time, artisans get a residual payment every time one of their bottles transfers ownership. Rare Liquid's game-changing tech creates a safe and frictionless experience for next-gen collectors while fairly rewarding iconic artisans for their craft. Rare Liquid membership is by invite only, but luckily I can help. I have a limited number of these invitations available for you, my listeners. And if you're interested in learning more about Rare Liquid, please reach out. You can hit me up on Instagram, at BlackWineGuy, or even better, send me an email blackwineguy at gmail.com and drop rare liquid in the subject line. Okay, we're back. So we were, we were, we were, uh, I was sharing my Murphy Good War story with my listeners who I know wanted to hear more about it. <laughs> and, and, uh, you being the first one. And actually, I reached out. Hardy was great. I reached out to him and he was just so gracious and generous with his advice. And thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, you. my pleasure. So, so I, that's when I really knew we, I was like, I was either going to meet you there, out there, yeah. or here. So. Um, so you, you, for you, it was six months, six months are up, um, but you had made some good contacts. Oh yeah. Okay. So what did you do after your time at Murphy Good? So one of my absolute heroes is this winemaker um, who no longer makes wine anymore, a guy named Kevin Kelly. Kevin was at the time, he was most known for being the winemaker for Lyoko, Mm -hmm. but he had two projects that were his, one called Selenia but this one called the Natural Process Alliance. Kevin was like one of the like OG of the kind of late 2000 like natural wine movement uh, folks in California. And so Kevin was making like some of the first skin contact wines I ever had. Um, he had this incredible idea that the wines made in this kind of more hands-off style should be served fresh and should be served locally only. And so he created this thing where he was working with, um, I don't know if you remember like the clean canteen water bottles. They're yes. the stainless steel uh-huh. water bottles mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they perfectly fit a bottle of wine. And so he was making these wines um, that were just unlike anything else, that super fresh and intense, but bottling them in these clean canteens, putting a label on them and delivering them to like, whether it was like, you know, wine bars like Terroir up to like, you know, super fine dining places like Gary Danko and, you know, things like that from like wine bars to three Michelin star restaurants like the milkman. He's dropping off these things. And I remember I had one of Kevin's wine. Oh, and he only sell them within 100 miles of the winery. So they basically get down to like basically Santa Cruz in the Bay Area. And I remember having one 
the very first time, like before I was even in the wine industry, I was in San Francisco in business. I purposely went to seek one out. And I'm like, this is one of the coolest wines I've ever had in my life. Blew my mind, unlike anything else, whether, you know, a European skin contact wine or a natural wine or whatever. Like there was something, there was soul in this that was like, like literally taking a sip changed my life. Mm. And so I actually kind of befriended Kevin before I even got the Murphy Good job. I'd gone out to visit him a couple times, started buying wine from him. And just he was always a stop for me, like a wine country stop. And so as the Murphy Good thing was getting uh, finishing up, he was like, hey, like, I can't pay you what they paid you. But he's like, I need some help. And he's like, if you come work with me. And at that time, um, he was like a two-person winery, but his assistant winemaker had just left. Um, at the time, it was just him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I can, can't pay you that much, but I can teach you everything. And that was like, raise my hand. The answer is yes. Because um, it felt like, and, and I left this amazing house that Murphy Good had given me and ended up like moving in with, with like- Yeah, three, those houses are dope. Like th- <laughs> three, three roommates, two dogs, like just this crazy like change of, it almost felt like going back to like- Yeah, you're going back to college. Yeah. And making scrape by money. Yeah. And it was one of the most exciting times of my That's life. True. So right after Kevin hired me, um, he then brought on, um, I know you're a Grenache fan, yeah. Um, but um, a tribute to Grace, do you know? I met I met her. So Angela, he I hired. I met Angela because she's with Skernick, and I yeah. met her. She listens to the podcast. I met her at a tasting, and she's amazing. Yep, so he hires Angela. So the winery then becomes Kevin, Angela, and myself. Wow. And it was like, so Angela and I become roommates, like housemates for like a year and change. And like, so... Working with Kevin, I, I still didn't think I was like, okay, I'll help in the seller, I'll do these things, but like, I'm still like a sales, marketing, like, I am social media, that's my skills. Yeah. And Kevin and Angela really encouraged me. They're like, the best way to learn is actually not just to work on stuff here, but it's to make your own wine. And I was like, I can't do that because, like, you know, Angela had years of experience already. Kevin had, a, you know, his master's from Davis. And even though he's making wines in a more hands off way, um, he still has the chemistry, he still has that knowledge. And I, I'm like, man, I got, I got like D minuses in chemis- chemistry, like in a, as a kid. Like it was, it's not my forte. And they were like, no, just do it, just do it. So in 2010, w- working for Kevin, I made my first wine that became the first vintage of Dirty and Rowdy. And it was something that, again, going back to this like forest gumpness of like, you don't know the rules, you know, you, you, you're kind of too dumb to know any better. Mm-hmm. Um, I made Mervedra from a vineyard that Angela used to get called Santa Barbara Highlands. And she was like, hey, there's a couple rows of Merved that no one really takes next to my Grenache. Um, maybe that's what you need. And I was like, great, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna pick it early, I'm gonna do this partial carbonic, super light maceration, treat it like Beaujolais, blah, blah, blah. And people were like, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> And, uh, and I'm like, why? And they're like, Mervedra doesn't do that. It's like, it's, you know, it's trying, like, trying to teach like a Rottweiler to dry, like, ride like a, you know, a unicycle or something like that. You're like, you can't, these things don't belong. Like, and I was like, well, have you ever tried it? And they're like, no, because it's dumb. I'm like, well, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm gonna, like, I just had this hunch. Like, I liked lighter bodied wines, like these more aromatic, like Cru Beaujolais was like, kind of my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no, at the time, only two Gamay plantings in California. It was late in the season. There was not a lot of fruit available. I'm like, I'm just going to give this a whirl. And that wine, like, I caveman my way through it. Um, just like, you know, virtually, I mean, all heart, no skills. That wine still to this day is amazing. Like, you know, 13 years later or so, you're like, how the heck 
like and I think that goes to like just having like a gut feel and inspiration mm. but also having people that like pushed you to do it right. so like Kevin and Angela pushed me to like you're gonna be making wine um, what was actually pretty funny though Kevin um, kind of pulling a joke on me there is video um, was convinced <laughs> um, but he was like you know one thing that's a tradition is any anyone in the cellar here that gets their first fruit like you have to tread it naked um, <laughs> So you got to get in the tank and buck naked, and I'm like, great. And like this is this is what you do, right? And so like I jump in, like letting it all hang out, and um, yeah, I guess that's not a tradition. Well, they, they totally, uh, they totally like uh, played you, like they totally hazed you, right? Eh? Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so so that was though that was the start, and you could tell early on in that fermentation period, like something was happening there that hadn't. It was kind of like you opened a new portal. Like something was happening that hadn't quite happened before. And as a wine lover first, you're like, I, I, like I'm in this space of like just beautiful unknown. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that wine went dry, Kevin had a lot of attention, you know, from whether like wine writers, sommeliers, like folks like Pascaline would come to visit Kevin, Alice, uh, yeah. you know, were all coming through. And he was always like, you should try Hardy's wine over there. And like it's unlike anything else. So I mean, Pascaline and Alice and folks. That, I mean, I think they t- they tried wine pre-release. Like I don't even think it was bottled at that time. You know, we were trying stuff out of barrel. And so early on to have like people experiencing it, like mm-hmm. just in the cellar, mm-hmm. um, it kind of did wonders. And so I made it that first year, and then we were like, oh, this is actually a thing. Um, like we could actually look at doing like vineyard designate this kind of alternative style of merved on these radically different soil types because what we found was not just did we have this kind of cool expression of the variety it actually was made it because it wasn't so heavy it made this almost like deep dive into soil so you had that kind of light lift but underneath was this like beautiful soil profile and whether that was like kind of clay and granite at uh, santa barbara highlands or up like volcanic and uh Quartz and things like that up at Shake Ridge, um, or granite up at Skinner, or sand at Evangelo. So we started finding all these incredible plantings because no one wanted Mervedra at the time either. So everyone wanted it just as a blender, mm-hmm. but no one took it seriously. So the fruit was available, incredible vines, incredible soils, and it was like just like stumbling into like a like a candy store. Mm-hmm. And fortunately for us, the wines showed up really well as these beautiful examples of terroir. And I knew working with Kevin, so I worked with Kevin for basically a year and a half, or yeah, just about a year and a half, that I needed to get more chops. I needed to learn, um, like, you can, you can go so far with heart, and then you kind of need on the winemaking side, just be great if you kind of knew what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as far as like, hey. So I wanted to get more in touch with the vineyards and learn the farming side. So uh, my wife and I, and we were not uh, together, I and mean, we were together but not married at the time. Kate and I went up to Shake Ridge Ranch, and Anne allowed basically Kate, Angela, Angela's husband, uh, and I all to go up and work in the vineyard crew all summer. So did that, got some experience with Anne. I went to then work uh, harvest with Aaron Jordan. Uh, Aaron was always a hero and just makes incredible wines. And there's kind of a school of like 
there are certain people that are incredible, I think, um, winemaker incu incubators. Mm -hmm. And Aaron is definitely one of those folks where the amount of people that have worked for Aaron that have gone on to do really cool things, like whether it's like Thomas Rivers Brown, whether it's Tegan, John Lockwood, Angela, myself, Caden Modi, like it just goes on and on. And we kind of, you know, you almost have to pass through the gates of Aaron, Aaron Jordan yeah. in some ways to get like. Totally. I totally get that. And so worked with Aaron and that was an incredible thing. And I just, he just, he's a brilliant, he is a brilliant winemaker. Um, and he, he is the most hands off in many ways that you'd never know. And like, he just, there's this savant thing to him that's just, it doesn't make sense. And just like, he's just, he's just in it. And. At that same time, I still, w after finishing working with Aaron, so I made like my first vintage with Kevin at his cellar, second vintage with uh, at Phalo with Aaron Jordan, and then I still needed to learn more. And so uh, Kathy Corson had a position open. Kathy Corson. And I'm like, man, like I'm working through my heroes here. Icon. And Kathy, but it wasn't a production uh, position. Kathy was like, I need someone to help with like direct-to-consumer sales, tasting mm -hmm. room, and this. And this is kind of before Kathy hit, like, she was still kind of in that, um, she had yet to have her renaissance. And so she had tons of wine available, library. If you knew, you knew. Yep. But it wasn't like now where it's like, oh, my God. Like, I mean, Kathy is, is like legendary status. And she's she always was, but it's. It, it, uh, no, it's totally, it, it, was, it, was, it was like, because I started, I knew about it when I started in 97 because I worked at Acker and it's a yep. fine wine store. It was a cult wine. Yep. Um, the issue with cult wines back then was they were cult wines. <laughs> yeah, and her style had kind of run counter though to. And like it was the yeah. I was I was say what I find amazing. Thank you for that. The stylistically, Aaron was the winemaker at Turley. Yep. In the nineties, yep. after Helen, yep. big bombastic. Yep. I came up on those. I love those wines. And but now you look at Tegan. Like everybody's everybody who's worked with him has dialed it down. Even himself. But but yeah. like but everybody that has like you that you mentioned that work with him. Even Tegan. Like I mean even even if something gets to fifteen five, it's not the fifteen five from back in the day. Yeah, it's, it's just it's it's pure ripeness of the fruit. He needed the the, the one fruit. Right, yeah. You know? That's in so that twelve point five. Oh, it's so, so good. Better. It's so good. It's fucking. Ugh. Yeah, I know. It's. And, it's amazing. And so Kathy was in that world of like, she had never really gone into that bombastic style. Right, never. Um, and especially those mid-2000s when like bigger is better and things like that, she kind of went into obscurity. Mm -hmm. And so she was needing to kind of get her thing, like get, she needed people to taste those wines. Right, like she had, it, she needed, that's where, that's where guys like you, the social media, you know, help bring these you know it's great new producers but there's there's so much gold oh in our in, in our elders and the people who really paved the way for where so, we are yeah. and she didn't have that piece and it looks, sounds like you helped fill that yeah so she hired a gm on this amazing woman tracy and then myself and i mean it's all the i mean she did all the work with the wines yeah but to be able to share those wines with so many people and to spend that much time with kathy well, that's what i'm saying that's that that's that osmosis thing right oh my god so i, I worked with kathy for almost two full years. I think it was like 22 months or 23 months. And what was great, even during like the busiest times, like harvest, she would give me weeks to take off so I could do my own vintage. So I was making my, my wine. That's wines. amazing. And she, I mean, Kathy and her husband, William, are just, they're amazing human beings. And I just, I am grateful for, I mean, for the Murphy Good experience, for the mm -hmm. Kevin Kelly, for the Ann Kramer, the Aaron Jordan, for the Kathy Cor Corison experience. Like 
all of these folks gave me the confidence and the skills to like kind of do my own thing on my own. So when I was working for Kathy, I think I had just finished Vintage 3 for Dirty and Rowdy. Mm-hmm. And um, we got to a point, I think we were making about 1,200 cases or so at that time. And it was kind of either that, like, I can't, I can't do this with another job. Because it was really just, though I had a partner, Rowdy, Rowdy had lived in Atlanta, had another career, and it was really a one-person winemaking sales type of operation. So I left working with Kathy in 2013 was my first vintage. Actually, technically my fourth vintage was my uh, first vintage without another job. Mm. And that changed everything. Mm-hmm. Just the abil- amount of time able to focus, the amount of time to dive into things, the amount of ways that you can communicate, serve customers. And yeah, that was the big transition year for me um, where it's like, oh man, like, and also scary as hell. Because you're like, I am now like surviving on like, a wine, a small winery, winemaker, growing business paycheck, which wasn't a lot. Yeah. And so um, having, and thank God it was pre-kids and things yes. like that. But boy, it was, um, and it was a huge leap of faith. Like, do I, like some kid growing up in New England, f- moved out here from Atlanta that was a blogger that has had a couple good vintages under his belt. Um, can I actually pull this off? Yeah. And um, deep down inside, I knew the answer is yes. But you have all those things on your shoulders. But sho- I mean, yeah. It's, you, you have know, all those things on your shoulders yeah. being like, can I actually survive right. and do this? Right. And um, thank God I kept <laughs> g- thank God I kept going. Because like, it's, it's, it's been a wild, amazing ride. I mean, we got Dirty and Rowdy up to about, at one point, I think 2017, uh, we d- did about 6,000 cases. But that was actually a, a disastrous vintage for us in so many ways. Um, but we were in like... 14 different countries around the world at one point we're in five of the top 10 like san pellegrino like best restaurants in the world and you're like coming from like here's some wacky at the time partial carbonic terroir driven mervedra that's you know from all these you know not from napa not from sonoma like you know you can, from the fo- places where people can't even find on a map if you're not like super into california wine and you're like wow we are doing something crazy I got invited to be the first uh, California producer, first uh, U.S. winemaker, I believe, to Ladiv Boutet, which uh, Ladiv is the largest and original um, natural wine kind of uh, fair in the world in the Loire Valley. Mm-hmm. So got to meet tons of my heroes um, and to have your wines poured along like greats. And like, what am I doing here? <laughs> and it, and such in such a good way of like, but at the same point, like I belong because like we're kind of on this cutting edge. And, you know, it's, it was just this wild journey and, you know, our direct to consumer is incredibly high. So um, being able to spend time with people and even though we were making wines, I, I try not to label anything. I, I really try to like say, even though a lot of people have called us natural wine or not natural wine or whatever, I try to just like, I just want to make really effing good wine. Yeah. Um, but to try to communicate with people where that's what speaks to someone first. It's not that we're like, oh, you're riding the natty wine train or anything like that. It's like you're making great wine, and that's what speaks to somebody. Yeah. And so I think like we, we had this amazing mix of customers that were some of which you know would buy like, and still do like buy like you know trophy Napa cabs that are made in a very different style. Some buy crazy super natty wines that'll crawl across the table, <laughs> and to have like that space where you kind of fit in between there, and um, yeah, it it, it it's absolutely amazing and i think that goes to you know just having things that like are wine first like i hate to say dogma second um it just is that pure let's just do the best we can yeah so 
you mentioned it. So this this it's a thing. It's yeah. a big thing in wine. Natural wine. Like I said, some cross the table. Um what is your style and philosophy? Yeah. I I like Alice's definition a lot, which is nothing added, nothing removed, um, minimal SO2 when necessary. Um, those are things that, like, if I were to define natural wine, that's my definition of it. I like that, too, yeah. it, because I've said this before. Um, it's, you know, you know, SO2 is it's actually a natural compound. It's a periodic table element, so <laughs> you're, you're, you're actually, it's natural. Now, I understand what you're saying, but, you, but, but when people say, wow, you're adding all the sulfur, so you shouldn't over-sulfur wine, but, like... Mm. But my philosophy has always been with sulfur is um, as little as it takes, mm -hmm. as much what as it, it need? as much as it needs, yeah. and sometimes that's zero, and yeah. zero's zero's great. But at the same point, like I'm not like you know, I'm a sushi chef. Yep. Um, but if that wow. if that you know, as opposed to like a molecular gastronomy, yep. and both of those things have their places in the world, and you're like you know, someone like you know, Grant from like. You know, Alinea, like his style, you're not going to say is any better or worse than like the best sushi chef in the world. Yep. Um, those two things can exist in the same universe. Yeah. And also, like, I don't want to label myself as like right. as a way because 2017, I had to do the most unnatural things to our, almost our entire vintage. We lost 90% of our wine in 2017. I had to reverse osmosis. I had to de-alk. I had to, um, you know re-inoculates all these things because we fled during the fires yeah and left fruit and tank and we just we had um the absolute worst year of our life yeah um and and i see you're moved i think people so you this is your like this is your third year well yeah third year on my own on this your is own. Yeah, vintage eight put i mean doubling down tripling down all of the money into yep. like moving from like 4000 to 6 or i think we even moved like 3700 to yep. like 6500 cases um doing it still as a one person yep. wine making thing and when all of a sudden like i mean esther wrote a crazy story about our vintage um if anyone ever like googles like <laughs> Hardy Wallace Dirty and Rowdy 2017 there's a very sad story mm. it was a front page of the chronicle um but yeah, I ended up getting shingles in my eyes oh. um, at the start of harvest. We started getting insane heat spikes. Um, my brother-in-law um, came down, was going to drive down to be with my sister, or my sister, my, my wife, wife. My, <laughs> yeah, sister. not my yeah, his sister, <laughs> his sister um, to come down and um, to help and, and to kind of help out. Um, he dies in a car crash on the way down. And I can't see. Right at the start of harvest, all of our fruits starting to come in. We have like 108 degree temperatures. We got a one year old. We have all this, and then the fires start. Whew. You're like, what the? What am what I doing? What the actual fuck did I do with my life? Uh -huh. Right? You, you're riding this wave. And you're like, oh shit, I fucked my life up. I, I, yeah, and you're like, I am like, it, it just it seemed like a biblical story mm -hmm. of like in seeing like my wife's pain, my in laws' pain. I can't like. Mm -hmm. We don't know at the f first that what's going on with my eyes is contagious. I can't drive. I can't see. Um, and we had to do everything to those wines. Everything that if, you know, if you're like, oh, you're a natural winemaker, you can't do any of that. I did everything. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, we made wine that 
I think was beautiful. We kind of declassified it. We, you know, we called this, our main wine for Dirty and Rowdy was called the Familiar. Yep. And we called this the Unfamiliar. Um, uh, okay, I remember and, that. I said, that's great. And we, you know, instead of selling it for 40 bucks yeah. a bottle, it was like $18 a bottle or something. Mm-hmm. And I had to go around the country for about a year because we had to sell it all wholesale. Mm-hmm. Um, telling that story multiple times a day, every day. And if you can keep doing that, if that doesn't like crush you um, and you can keep going on, um, it made me such, from that, I think our next vintage 18 was our best vintage ever. I mean, we were kind of kissed by the gods, both by weather, wine quality, and just having this thing of like redemption. um, And it also taught me that like, yeah, I'm never gonna say I'm not gonna do anything. The thing that we did though with the unfamiliar, like in a beautiful way, is we told everyone like, this is what we did to this wine. Mm-hmm. This is how it came across. Like I had to, you know, RO it. I had to inoculate. Had to do all these pieces here that are very unnatural. Uh, yeah. And yeah, look at the beautiful pale color. Yeah. This. This is. This is. What do we got here? It's so. We, we MJ just poured a wine that I made for Extra Dimensional Wine Co. Yeah, which is the new company, the post-dirty and rowdy hardy wine. And it's a wine called the Local Election. It's a red blend. Oh, thanks for bringing this. Yes. And tell the story of this. This is a great story. So we'll get into maybe in a little bit. But what is important with us with Extra Dimensional is we have kind of as a transition out of dirty and rowdy is kind of hitting a reboot, getting, you know, creating a new project that's just Kate and myself. Um, we wanted to start all over again in a way of like, what if I get her very best as winemakers, as human beings, as like, with all that knowledge we've built up over the last 13 years, what if at our best, we could go back, we could start again. What, how would we change the business? But how would we change the wines? And one of the things, it was kind of in a multi-level idea was that um, what we found through climate change in the last couple of years is things that were, were normally one, you know, single variety, single vineyard wines for the most part for Dirty and Rowdy. But we were starting to see things come off the vineyards more like Tetris pieces versus something on its own. So, mm-hmm. you know, we could bottle another vineyard designate X, but I knew it wasn't the best wine I could make in the cellar. And traditional blending wasn't really serving us. So if we had Merved, like, hey, throw a little Syrah, throw a little Grenache, see how that works. And we were still coming up short. And like the wines were fine. We knew we could sell them, but you're like, I can do way better things with, like with what we have in the cellar. So we kind of started opening up like, well, hey, like, even though this is, you know, Zen based, well, what if we put some, you know, 20% Chenin Blanc in there? What if we put 8% Chardonnay? What if we put 10% Grenache, 5% this? What if we just opened up and just started looking at what we have in this idea of like make the best thing possible regardless of these traditions that are n- actually not even ours. Um, right. So we don't we don't have laws on blending here. No, and <laughs> and like and to do it in a way like I might have to cross counties. I might have to. So this is labeled as a red wine blend. Yeah. It's thirty percent Zinfandel, about thirty percent white, which is a little bit of skin contact Chardonnay or skin contact Chenin Blanc, a little bit of Chardonnay, Grenache, and a little Merved. And it was this idea of putting things together where you smell that, yeah. and it's like just aromatically, like yeah, it's very complex aromatically. <laughs> it's it's, and that to me is like, how do we take someone 
Like, you got like stone fruit, but then you got strawberries and you got pomegranate. It's crazy. You take someone into the comfortable unknown. <laughs> it's like you gently guide them into the spot. Like you may not have smelled this before, you may not have tasted it, but you're gonna fucking love it. <laughs> and like, and to like let down your guard of like, and why, that's why we don't list on the label like all the percentages. Let down your guard of like, I love tr- that. trust that this was made in a beautiful way. Right. Trust right. that we have these incredible vineyards, and like experience the wine in the glass before you start to dissect it. Mm-hmm. Because that is where like, it's moments of energy and wonder that pulled us into wine in the first place. Mm-hmm. And as we get nerdier about it, we lose that really quick because we want to know. Yeah. And we want that status that comes with knowledge and experience, and we replace joy with knowledge. And those two things can exist together, but we often get so far on the knowledge side that we lose wonder because we want to know something. And this is that conscious effort to put that back in the glass, but also to respond to the same thing. How can we do that in the climate that we're in when we have, you know, you know, 15 days over 105 degrees during harvest, Mm -hmm. we have, you know, you know, massive drought, hail, you know, frost, all these things that are making it really hard to be a small producer. So that's the local election and the story with a name. So we've always wanted, whether it's through Dirty and Rowdy, we had uh, wines or sales that would go towards, say, like families separated at the border, like when that was a huge thing. Um, you know, we donated to a lot of uh, legal funds for that. Mm-hmm. When we had um, the massive fires in 2020, um, we created a wine called Weramat. Or no, no, well, the massive fires, we did the Familiar uh, wine. That tons of money went to fire relief. And then we created in um, kind of peak COVID a wine called Weramask Red, where we raised about $35,000 for the California Farm Worker Foundation um, and also the Napa Valley Farm Worker Foundation. And that idea was to, like, what can we do through wine to give back to the community that makes it possible makes man. it possible and that was i mean families at the border man like that's who that yeah yeah that um that and farm workers like you have to take care of the people that take care of you yeah yeah and i mean it's it's i mean people it's like insane with like the history of wine with cesar chavez that's wine yeah farm workers Oh. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, yeah, and and yeah, it's uh, well, I, you know. So what? I was going. No, I was. I just when I saw, you know, the I'm on your emails. I said like, and just like that, you knew like, the, and just you're so generous and authentic. And another nonprofit before was was in the uh, was called the Citizens Campaign. Was all about people need to understand. Local elections are more important than national because the local, local dictates the national. People don't realize that. Yep. And understanding that, like you could, you can nip the George Santis is in the bud. That gets nipped at the local level. Yep. And so with us, um, knowing too, like last year, um, yep. that you know, midterms yep. uh, were huge, but mm-hmm. also the amount of local elections. Mm-hmm. And we've got two kids. You know, we've got a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Yep. And what was happening with school boards, what was happening with... I know, the school board, you don't care. Oh, my God. So <laughs> seeing that and knowing how important 2020 was in the election world for like the, not just our kids, for kids all across the country, um, what we knew was that 
that's where we wanted to put uh, our charitable cause. Yeah. So with local election, we teamed up with Rock the Vote. Yeah. I don't I know if that was so good. Yeah. Oh my God. Fifty five. I remember Rock the Vote. Oh. I remember. Him, I remember the first video on MTV. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we like, we reached out to Rock the Vote. Like, Got hey, Bill Clinton elected. Yeah, and we and Rock the Vote's main thing is to get eighteen to twenty four year olds to the polls, mm-hmm. and eighteen to twenty four year olds have the lowest percentage Turn. at state or local, local state yeah. in midterm elections. Yeah. Even though they're going to be one of, and I think twenty four, they're going to be one of the highest voting populations. But the state local midterms, they don't show up for. So we wanted to put that money towards local uh, to Rock the Vote, which yeah. It, it's meaningful for us. And so every year we'll always have something that goes to something that we truly believe in. Um, because you have to you have to serve your community and you have to represent. Like, like Kate's like, my, my, who, Kate should be on one of these one time because she's, yeah, just, I, 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 she's one of the most amazing human beings in the I world. I would love to have Kate on. And, but like Kate's like so active in our community. Like, like she's like one of the library commissioners now and like just really just, she loves like, being with people and being part of a town, being part of a community, and whether that is on your tiny like town level or whether that's your state, your country, like to be involved mm-hmm. in, um, it, it, it's it's hard to talk shit when you're like, if you're not doing like it's you're like oh I, I actually don't even vote yeah like, this it, is, the world's going to crap it really is like, <laughs> like shut the fuck up you don't participate yeah so it, it's just it's always been important for, definitely for my wife mm-hmm. and she came out of nonprofits as well mm-hmm. to be like always like always give yeah like yeah. always give like your time your money your heart yeah. and yeah so yeah i wanted to ask about the lovely kate graham because we we referenced her throughout the whole podcast and earlier you said that you two things you knew you knew that that moved from the santa barbara highlands was going to do so if you just had a gut feeling and then when you met your wife Kate, oh my gosh, you yeah. knew you were going to marry her, but you didn't start dating until six years later. So, how did you guys meet? So we met um, in Atlanta. Uh, Kate w- worked for Special Olympics Georgia, and she was kind of their volunteer fundraiser. Like basically, she got young people to participate in Special Olympics mm-hmm. on kind of a financial side. Mm-hmm. They held, uh, and I was kind of in this time of living in Atlanta that. I was on the road so much, and I, I really was feeling like I was not contributing, um, mm-hmm. both from like to myself, but also to like the community. Like I needed, um, I needed to participate in something that um, that I knew I was I was contributing to society, or like, and to make myself feel good too, like in a selfish way too. Like I'm going to help others, but that's going to help my help myself. And I always was drawn to Special Olympics, um, and they had this kind of young professionals night type thing. And like, oh, okay, go to the, you know, it's at this restaurant. You can find out about volunteer opportunities. And I go with my girlfriend, and my girlfriend and I are, are living together at the time. And I walk in, and Kate, like, greets me at the door. And I just... Energy. I mean, I just, everything, dro- I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this is the person I'm supposed to marry. And we start talking, and where did you grow up? Oh, I grew up in New England. I grew up in New England. And, oh, like, where did you go to school? I went to here. Like, and this is like high school stuff. And like, oh, do you know this person? I know this person. Do you know? Oh, I know that person. Like, that was my, that was my, my English teacher or something like that. Yeah. And even though she grew up in Maine, her family's originally from Massachusetts. There's right. all these connections. Yeah. And it gets to college. And it's like, oh, oh my gosh, you went to Guilford. I went to Guilford. And I was just like, this is it. Like, this is the person I'm supposed to meet and supposed to marry. Yeah. But, Kate goes off, like, she has a long-term boyfriend. They get married. Um, 
we stayed friends and in contacts. Mm-hmm. I stayed, you mm-hmm. know, in, involved with Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. And um, I move out to California. Kate gets divorced. And on my birthday in 2010, like, Kate literally pops up in my DMs, just saying, like, in, on Facebook, like, happy birthday. Like, I hope you know, like, I live in California now. I live in Santa Barbara. She lives in Los Olivos. And she's like, my folks run a boarding school down there, and um, I'm working at the school. And if you ever have to be, th- be down here, um, I'd love to meet up. We had two interns at the winery at the time, and I just turned to one of them, like, I'm getting married. And they were like, what? I'm like, this woman, Kate, just, like, sent me a message, and I'm getting married. I actually had to be down there a couple weeks later. Um, there's a magazine, uh, Sunset Magazine, which is kind of like a lifestyle magazine mm-hmm. on the West Coast. They had like a wine. They, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they had, they had a, like their wine awards night, um, you know, big kind of thing, like you know, yep. this big wine event. And we were up for the Green Winery of the Year. This is when I worked for Kevin Kelly, and mm-hmm. it was during harvest, so he can't go. So he's like, hey, I think we're going to win. So why don't you head down to this like Santa Barbara County thing? And, you know, it was like, a dinner fancy thing and you have you have two tickets so i sent kate a message i'm like hey like if you want like i've got this crazy thing like if you want to get up like kind of the ranch that her school's on like come with me to this this event and i'm like just like please say yes please say yes and um she says yes we go to this you know event we've got you know we end up winning and we're all dressed up and everything like that um I bring her up on stage because uh, I'm like I'm not going to accept the award by myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the most beautiful woman in the world <laughs> up with me. Um, hand us the award, and somehow like the AP gets hold of the pictures. The next day, the picture of like Kate and I holding the award is up like on both jumbotrons in Times Square, like our fir- what became our, our first date. And like oh my god, and, like we hit it off. We have a I mean we. we yeah, we, we kind of spend that night and know like we are for each other. Yeah, I meet her parents the next day, like mm-hmm. drive down. She's like, "You want to meet my folks?" I'm like, "Yes, I do." I leave the room, and Kate's mom says to Kate, "She's like, I just met the father of my grandkids," and like just she moves up to Healdsburg a little bit later, maybe like two months later, and you know, kind of start our life together. We get engaged when we're actually living on Shake Ridge Ranch, and um, don't have a I have no money. I, I can't buy a wedding ring, can't yeah. do anything. So I use like a zip tie that we use for tying like bird nets. Yep. So propose with a zip tie, and amazing. I mean, just just pure heart. And <sighs> so when we get ready to get married, um, we're gonna have a really small wedding down in Los Olivos, and I'm not gonna like rent a tux or buy a new suit. So I'm flipping through like my closet and like my old life like is kind of all still in like dry cleaning bags right. so, <laughs> I'm like oh man that like that old Armani suit I'm gonna put that thing on and like I put the jacket on it still fits I'm like this is great and like anyone when you like put on a jacket you haven't worn for a while you reach in the pockets and see what's there I reach in the pocket pull out a cocktail shut up a cocktail napkin shut up from the restaurant we met at the I, I was like shut up the only time I have been there in my life Shut up. I walk into Kate's in the living room. I walk in. She's like, oh, she's like, that's crazy. It's a napkin from the place. Like we met there. And I'm like, it's the only time I ever met in my life. This is the suit I'm wearing to get married. This is the jacket I wore when I met you. When I told like myself, like, this is the girl I'm supposed to marry. And crazy. It's like when the universe, like we often talk about things falling apart. Things fall together. I say things fall fall together into place. They don't fall apart. Things are falling into place. I've said that for years. Yep. And that's insane. Yeah. It's like the goosebumpiest, craziest. Yeah. And you just like, there's those things. Like, I knew with the Murphy Good Job, I knew with the Mervedra, I knew with my wife. Like, yeah. this is how. 
I can't explain it, but this is how this is going to unfold. Yeah. And no, yeah, to have those like, you know, to be tuned into those moments in your life that you kind of like, it's like you got the antenna up and like, let the yeah, good, let the good yeah, stuff in, yeah, let yeah. the good stuff in. It's so hard. Yeah. You know, we shut out so much good in our lives. And, you know, kind of getting back in that way of that idea to this wine and to extra dimensional, it really was that idea of like, you know what? We are going to create this path for us that like we did with Dirty and Rowdy that like we haven't done before. Like we're kind of stepping into like extra dimensional means outside of the known universe. We're going to step out into the spot and make these insane blends that still have life and still have beauty. But it's this crazy intersection where like fun and fine wine come together. You have all that polish from like the old vine Mourvedre, from some of that skin contact. You look at the blend, and you're like, what the F is this? But you smell it and you taste it. And you're like, oh, I get it. Like I, I, I've never experienced something like that before and it's delicious. Yeah. And for me, like that's like trying to tune into those spaces. Like I, I think of it a lot as like, I don't know, as a kid, like if you ever rode like a BMX bike or skateboard, yeah. the idea of like catching air. Yeah. And so when we catch air in life, it's like, I think about fear as gravity for like our souls. Like we we're held down by the gravity of fear Ooh. and when we seek as a kid in anything to like jump off a roof, do whatever to catch air, we break free into that like, we break free from that gravity of fear. And in that moment, we hit like what I, I like to call like moments of, a moment of infinite wonder. And it, it, it's momentary, but it's, it's like being in the zone we were talking about earlier with the athletes. So we hit these moments of infinite, like infinite wonder, but it, it lasts for a second. And, and putting wines and putting things together in this way that is kind of, you know, disarming in a way. Like, I don't know what I'm tasting. I don't know what this blend is like. If we can try to put that back in the smell and a taste where that goes back to that thing as a child. Like, I am catching air in the glass. I am catching air in the cellar. Like, breaking free from that gravity of fear. Like, that's the stuff that gets me so effing excited that you're like, ah, oh, like I told him he could say fuck guys, but, I I, but it's all good. <laughs> I want to start like pulling, like, I know, I know. pulling the TV off the off the wall, like, trash the in the hotel, yeah. like, trash like, in the hotel room. Yeah, ah. it's the opposite of like like the old rock star. You all fucked up. Enjoy. It's like it's just the joy. It's like the joy uh, makes you just want to. Oh, like I want to like George the Animal Steel bite the turnbuckle, yeah. like, ah! <laughs> but of goodness, not of rage. Exactly right. No, it's, yeah. It's, um, yeah, and so we're drinking. You brought two extra dimensional wine coat. Yeah, wines, and you know the the 2017 story came back in 2018. Um, what was it like? And it's just you're so conscious i would say and thoughtful thank you would you know um but what was it like when you had to release dirty and rowdy oh my gosh so when yeah when we split yeah oh it was it was, it was very painful yeah um because it was one of those things like kate and i i mean we were 50 50 with our partner yep and um we thought basically we reached a point where that agreement wasn't working well and yep. so we could either um buy out our partner or try to decrease um, their ownership. Yeah. And uh, th they didn't want to do that. Yeah. And so, or not in the same way that we did. Sure. So we offered, uh, you know, buyout and yep. things like that. And it just... Couldn't it come to an accord. Couldn't come to an agreement. And that's when Kate and I knew, like, you know what? We're going to do, like, 
the best way to do this, if we can't do it easily, is actually to hit that restart button. Because what I didn't want, I didn't want to have, it doesn't make, to sen make sense to have Dirty and Rowdy without Rowdy anyhow. So we're going to just call it dirty. But it's, so it didn't really make sense. So it's like, this is actually our chance to hit restart. And like, as I said, to go back philosophically, like how are we making these wines? Why are we here? What are we doing? What are we trying to, like what is our next step forward? So though the breakup wasn't the easiest thing, mm -hmm. what came out of it was this chance to like, kind of like that Murphy Good thing. It's a chance to begin again mm -hmm. and like hit that restart button and like go into like, you know, my 2.0 of, you know, kind of my 2.0 of wine, but kind of like really like my 3.0 of life. And mm. that's, man. And to do it with all of the goodwill and trust and faith of like our customer base, oh my God, like that is, that is a gift. And what we had, um, we were actually able to come in with, we started Extra Dimensional with wine. So even though Extra Dimensional didn't start till Harvest 21, our first wines were 19s and 20s. So we actually had, um, through Dirty and Rowdy, we were going to start another label that was going to be a higher end, more kind of conceptually to what we're doing here with mm -hmm. Extra Dimensional. Um, and we were going to call it Space Wolf. <laughs> I love your names, man. <laughs> and it was going to have this like fictitious, like science fiction backstory. I mean, this is thank God pre like crypto crash, but like it was going to be crypto only. Like we were going to make it like this quest to get these crazy wines. And I had started like marking those barrels like back in 2019. Like this will be a Space Wolf wine. This will go to Space Wolf. And this. So when we did the split, basically Kate and I got all the inventory. Took you know. Uh, my partner, you know, the, got the money. Yep. And so we started with having these wines mm. that we had, like, earmarked that were effing stunning and beautiful. So we, we started in a way, like, just confidently, like, you know, we shut down Dirty and Rowdy the next day, started Extra Dimensional, and, like, a week later, sold wine. Yeah. And that was such a good feeling. And it, it also helps, you know, being a small business, like, especially a winery, we didn't have to wait, like, a year and a half. Yeah. Right. Of yeah. expenses, of money, of yes. so we were we just hit the ground running, right. and oh man, like it has been such a trip in the best way, and it's also been a lot of like transformation and discovery. Like it gets to that point of like often, regardless of how the wines show up. I mean, like, we served last night with I went to a dinner like for Levy's birthday, and on the table it was three winemakers. It was Ravenel, Dirty and Rowdy, plus Extra Dimensional. And uh, gone on, so like, <laughs> like four amazing like vintages of of Ravino, a vertical of six Evangelo Vineyard, Dirty and Rowdy plus Extra Dimensionals, and then yeah, four Gonons. Mm. And even though like those wines can stand on that table, they're still they were always seen as more of like a fun wine. Sure, like, there was this kind of almost non-seriousness, regardless mm -hmm. of how serious, and whether that's branding, my personality, um, and I always felt like there was something lacking in kind of the, I don't want to call it the appreciation, but something lacking in the way that like those wines showed up. And Extra Dimensional has given us that chance to kind of keep that joy and keep that, like, that energy, but build that polish and build that depth and build that, like, like those wines are becoming complete people as we're becoming complete people. You know, no longer just the joker and no longer just the, but like, oh, like, we've been through some shit. Yeah, and like and like that pain that you go through, that joy that you go through, all of those things make you complete, make you whole, and that's your story. 
Mm. And it's like, if we can put that in a way where it's not necessarily my story in that glass, but it's the person who's drinking it gets that complete experience. Mm. That's the magic, because it's never about us. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be like, how does our stuff fit into the story of the consumer that's drinking it and sharing it? Um, And you give them like that thing that's both like lively and deep, that's like the yin and yang of like, of life right there, of like the beauty and the pain at the same time. And that's, that's the life we live. Yeah, and one thing I, well I love all this, um, but uh, is this your quote? Your it's a uh, joy is in short supply, and extradurential wine co. Yeah, is in the joy business. So, that is not my quote. That was came from a customer. Wow, I saw that. And I just like, oh my god! It just like it was like beautiful and perfect. Because ultimately, like we want to bring that, like we want to bring that joy, but we want to bring that joy with like beautiful finesse. And it's like if you can have those two things. In the wine world, those two things kind of ride parallel tracks. They don't ever cross. You get your fun wines over here. You've got your classic wines that can be obviously stunning and beautiful. But it's like going to the opera, and opera is beautiful. But in some ways, like who's writing a new opera right now? Like when you go to the opera, you're seeing you're you're seeing something that it was created a hundred years ago. Like it, you're seeing a dead art, and in, in, in many ways, mm-hmm. and. But on the like the crazy side, like you're like oh like none of that's ever going to become classic, or none of that's ever going to endure. But if there's a way to combine those two things and create that magic, man, like why not? Why why are we held to these two parallel tracks that these things can't exist in the same glass? Mm. So yeah, with that quote, like being in like we're in the joy business, yeah, and and I think we're in the joy and finesse business. Right. Um. Just a couple more questions before sure. I let you go, because otherwise we'll talk for. Oh my hour. gosh! Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I'm like <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and we're just on such a beautiful track with everything. Say so, I'm like, oh, I probably should wrap it up you know, instead of since you got to go. But um, so um, you were started corporate account, taking people out, experiencing wine, kind of like what was the bottle of wine that kind of like made you go, oh, I really like this. What bottle was that? So there's a couple of them. Um, sure. So I had the very first one to me that really kind of broke, like my, snapped my brain. And it like, and it, what I mean is like, what I have seen I can no longer unsee. Yeah. And it was a bottle of 1990 um, Hermitage, uh, La Chapelle Hermitage. And um, that wine was just, because at that time I was like, you know, trophy cabs it was a back in the big shiraz days yep. like give me like the inkiest blah 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 yep. and that wine was still pretty concentrated the 90 but i had never had syrah like that before i had never and i'm like oh my gosh there's this whole universe that i don't even know about so there was that was one and then um one um and then i kind of got i just kind of did the whole like chase the trophy wine things for many years sure. and i got really bored mm-hmm. and um I was like, oh, these kind of all taste the same, or they all, they're all kind of different variations of kind of the same spectrum of flavors. And so I started getting burnt out, and a friend of mine was the Southeast rep for Kermit Lynch. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, you should, she's like, I know you like Burgundy now and this, but like, you should try, like, have you ever had Lapierre? Have you ever had Foyard? Have you ever had any of these Cru Beaujolais folks? And I'm like, no, because it sounds like it's trash wine. Right. She's like, no, no. Because that's red marketing. Like, yeah. people think Nouveau, you hear Beaujolais, you automatically. Think de Buff, yeah, Nouveau. And she started turning me on to, like, 
you'd like oh four or stuff like that of like Beaujolais, and you're like oh my god there's a whole another universe to explore here not even knowing how those wines were made and then starting to find other like you know beautiful like minimalist made wines and having that path up to that say kevin kelly moment where i'm having that first npa wine there's also an early time of having one of abe's early skin contact wines oh, skull Amp project yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. prince in his caves 2006 yeah. um i walked around piedmont park in atlanta in a bathrobe and having that in a red dixie cup and because uh, they had like a big night before and that some of that was still left in the decanter that morning. <laughs> and i'm like I am going to literally do like the hungover walk around the park That's with awesome. this in a Dixie cup because I am trying to like, I need this in my body. Yeah. And there, it was giving me information that I needed to like, I needed to process this information and this wonder and like figure out I had never had anything like that. How is something like this giving me so much pleasure when it's like almost, for some people that wine was repulsive. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, it doesn't taste like wine. That's mm -hmm. not wine. And for me, it was like, oh my gosh, this is like, Someone speaking to you in tongues, and you get what they're saying. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, man, you and I are on the same yeah. page here. <laughs> so <laughs> so those were, I think, three like really pivotal wines um, for me. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and there's still stuff that surprises you all the effing time. Yeah. Like, and just like reminds you of why, we're, like, of why we do what we do. Yeah. It's like you're, you're seeing, you have that ability. Like, I don't want to, I don't care whether you call it source whether you call it nature whether you call it god the divine you have that ability through wine that allows you to experience the divine in a very special way and it mixes your soul it mixes the universe it mixes the earth like mother earth to everything all combined and your it kind of like your heart and your palate your soul is the meeting place of all of that so yeah Every time you have one of those wines that connects those dots for you, um, you're like, oh, this is why we do what we yeah, do. Exactly. And, the, and one last question, and uh, you know, I don't even really have questions. I have these two. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you most excited about for the future? Oh, man. I mean, I, I mean really, it's, it's my kids. I mean, I see the joy. My son is my, tells me he's my assistant winemaker. I love that. He's four <laughs> years old. Yeah. And, like, I see their life and I see their hearts and you're just like man like just run with that like these giant open hearts and you try to put that back into your your work too you try to put that back like for Kate and I it's very much we are excited about like putting that in a glass in front of a human being and to like hopefully carry that through but like inspired by our kids inspired by that infectious thing of like whether you come to us at the winery or in our backyard like it's getting face to face with people and sharing love and joy, just like a kid does. Hardy Wallace, thanks you for um, coming in, getting face to face with me. What a pleasure! Thank you so much. Sharing your amazing wines, and these are wines like so. You guys, you know, I I drink a lot of big wines, but it's so funny. I might, I'm getting palate fatigue and shit. So like, <laughs> so I you know, so I've been drinking like lower Sensos and Beaujolais and and these are, and you know and and. Unless it's white burgundy, I prefer shin and you know, let's you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Yeah. Uh if you haven't checked out his wines, you should uh definitely check out his wines. Howdy, tell people where they can be a part of what you and Kate are doing. Yeah, so um, we're about ninety five percent direct. So for you won't find them in really kind of stores or restaurants for the most part. 
but you can find them at www.winecoya.com because it's way easier than spelling out extra dimensional. <laughs> so winecoya.com. You can also find us on Instagram at winecoya. If you type in extra dimensional winecoya, it'll still redirect, but you might have a spelling mistake because it's a little funky. Um, so yeah, that's the best way. Anytime you zap an email, it goes to Kate and I. So you're going to get a response back from like, <laughs> one of one of the two of us and it's always better to get one from kate because like she is just like you, everyone says she feel they feel kate's emails much more than <laughs> they feel mine and i'm like she, she's got the touch and um so yeah that's the best way if you're ever in the kind of the wineries in santa rosa if you're ever in the area give us a holler we do tastings at the winery and yeah it just definitely check us out i think we have something unbelievably cool that we are so proud to share and um yeah yeah the more, the more we can share them with it the better <laughs> And uh, for all the listeners, you know, make sure you check out the show notes. That's where I'll put the links, their links, so you can uh, go check them out um, and be a part of what's going on and be a part of the joy that's being brought to the world through your wines. And until the next time, cheers to the Mavericks, you, philosophers, you, deep thinkers, you, and all you wine drinkers, it's your boy MJ. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list.